Welcome to the Feel Strong Fitness Podcast. We help committed people stop wasting time and stop compromising on their goals. We build and rebuild strong people through one-on-one custom fitness solutions. No filler, no nonsense, and no time to waste. Let's talk about it. Hey, hello and welcome to the Feel Strong Fitness Podcast. My name is Justin McClintock. This week, we have Stephanie Luaris on the podcast. Stephanie is the owner of Heart and Soul Fitness and Wellness. She does body positive personal training, nutrition counseling, and accountability coaching. Stephanie is really interesting. She's had an incredible journey, which includes losing over 200 pounds. We talk about what it's like to work with larger bodied individuals, how you set goals for different people, and what it means to be a pastor working as a coach. Super interesting, and I think you're going to like this one. Let's get into it. Stephanie Luares, welcome to the Feel Strong Podcast. Thanks for coming. It's great to be here with you today. I really appreciate you coming. Uh, now, you are a, a personal trainer and a fitness nutrition specialist, correct? Correct. What was your path to get here? How did you end up at Heart and Soul Fitness and Wellness? Well, I'll be straight up honest. I never imagined to be in this space. I actually started out as a pastor and came into the fitness and wellness space through my own personal journey of losing over 200 pounds and finding my my personal love of endurance sports. And as I was training for marathons and triathlons and having my own coach and wanting to really understand what I was learning and going through in the training process. That's why I became a personal trainer and then uh, ultimately got my fitness nutrition specialist designation afterwards in really understanding what what my coach was saying, what what and why I was doing what I was doing. That totally makes sense. When did you start working with your coach along that journey? About seven years ago. Okay. Was that near where where in losing two hundred pounds was that? Um, I probably started working with him um I about seventy pounds into the journey when I discovered that, hey, fat girls can run and it was a lot of fun. And I found that that racing bug that this was something I wanted to pursue. That's really cool. Now, is that working with with larger body people is not I feel like they're they're an obviously underserved population, like in fitness and wellness, trying to get people to lose weight. That's everywhere but actually working with a uh, larger body people especially with someone who potentially has a couple hundred pounds to lose i feel like a lot of fitness specialists actually shy away from that certainly around like movement and sport and things like that other than putting someone on a diet and maybe spending some time on a treadmill does that resonate with you absolutely it is a highly underserved population. And the reality of it is when we look at people who are fat and in larger bodies, not everyone's goal is weight loss. And sometimes it is just to have fun with movement. They want to get stronger. They want to build endurance, build stamina. That goal 
we can't assume is weight loss. And even though my personal story does include now being in a smaller body, I have the experience of being in a larger body and I've lost a lot of weight, but I still am a large athlete. I show up at these events, I clearly am not the normal sized athlete. And well, let's say you're not that you're not the average size athlete, perhaps. I wouldn't say you're abnormal by any stretch of the imagination. Right. Now, I, I what you just said is really important. And certainly for any coaches listening out there, we talk about this all the time, but making sure you're not setting goals for your athletes, clients, members, whatever. But don't assume uh, you know what they want and certainly don't put your goals on them. I've thought of this as just sort of like another progression. The The fitness world is really good at dealing with people who are already kind of fit. Like people who've like done stuff and want to lose five pounds or move 10 more pounds or cut a minute off their mile or in which, and by the way, like I do all that stuff also. I totally have clients who are doing that stuff, but people with potentially longer to go, it's exactly the same progression. It's just somewhere different on the road. It's not really a different way of working, but there are some different considerations. What are some things that people should think about if they're coaching a larger bodied athlete? Well, a couple of considerations is one, we don't, we don't shy away from what reality is. First, fat is not a bad word. And we, we need to acknowledge what is, you know, we're not, we're not chubby. We're not fluffy. We're not this, we're not that. And just acknowledging who somebody is and how comfortable they are in their skin is very, very important. But also when we look at what someone's goals are, I, and it's not coming from this Pollyanna place of sunshine and rainbows, but really that anything is possible. And it's not always that it's going to take longer it's that the journey might look a little bit different. And even getting away from the idea of size, it could be age, it can be a medical condition, whether it's a chronic illness or a chronic injury or whatever that might be. The, those adaptations or those modifications to movement that come into play to get somebody towards a goal is what we start to think about. So just because that pathway looks different doesn't make it any less valid. We still get to the same end result. You know, just because somebody's doing it a little bit differently makes it okay. I 100% agree. And I do think it requires, at least from a coaching point of view, possibly a little bit more experience working with anyone who's not the very standard able-bodied person who has done some movement and sport in their life, has probably at least been in a gym a few times. Like anyone who isn't that is going to take a little more experience, a little more know-how, a little more building relationships with that person. Like just being open and listening to how things feel when they feel. And it may be Maybe you're really afraid that squats are going to hurt and they squat and it's fine. No, that feels great. That's totally cool. We can, and now you can jump 
further forward than you thought you were because you were already making assumptions about how they were going to move. How do you work with different athletes setting these goals for them, like figuring out what a, you know, maybe a big goal is and then reverse engineering smaller goals to get to that big goal? You know, I, I continually ask the question, why? Why do you want to do that? And because as you keep asking that question, why? You really start to drill down to some very specific answers. Like even the client that comes in and says, I want to lose X amount of pounds. Well, why do you want to do that? Because I want my clothes to fit better. Well, why do you want your clothes to fit better? Because then I can bend over easier. I can keep up with my kids or my grandkids. I can get up off the floor if I fall down. If we keep asking that question, why, a few more times, we really start to drill down a little bit further. And then we start to get to the very apparent goals of things like strength, balance, stability, those very specific areas that need to be built up. Absolutely. And we will, I have certainly had that conversation a number of times with clients who maybe present as wanting to lose weight. And once you drill down in it, it's like, oh, well, no, I just, I, 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 I wish my body sort of looked like this and I felt like this. And I'm imagining either something that hasn't happened or something that happened in my past. And I'll ask the question, oh, if we could do that, but not lose a pound, would that be okay? If you fit in those jeans, if you felt stronger, if you felt great, if you were happy with your look, but you were exactly the way you are today, is, is that acceptable? And nine out of 10 times, the answer is yes. And then one person will say, no, the actual, you say, okay, great. So, so that isn't your goal. We just found out your goal isn't to fit into the dress or to feel that way. Your, your goal is really about the scale. And that may be a, a deeper, somewhat emotional conversation of figuring out where that number came from and, and what it means to them. For sure. How does being an, an ex-pastor, is that the, are you an ex-pastor or are you still a pastor? Yes. How does being I, a I'm former pastor? I'm still ordained, but in a, in a different church and, and approach leadership in a different way, but yes. Oh, even more interesting. How does that <laughs> inform your coaching and practice? So I really look at wellness from that holistic lens. You know, that, that, that physical wellness is important, that we have movement, we have nutrition, and those are very important building blocks of our health. But if we look at that overall picture of wellness, we have our mental and emotional health. We have our spiritual health. And, you know, I don't expect everybody to share my same beliefs, my, my same faith, but we all believe in something. Now, it, you know, it might be contemplating our navel, but we believe in something. And there's always a place for growth. There's always a place for shoring up our mental and emotional health. So if we're working on that physical wellness, we can't ignore the mental and emotional health. We can't ignore that spiritual health because all three have to grow in tandem 
to be fully well, to be fully whole. What kind of work do you do with people who are possibly apparently on paper, like making progress in the gym or on the, on the, on the road, if they're running or biking or whatever they're doing, like, it looks like things are going well, but they're reporting that things just don't feel good. It's, they're not hitting it. Like something's off and you can tell it's something in that mental health, emotional, well-being, spiritual realm isn't clicking with their progress. Cause on, and I, I had this, I had this two weeks ago, someone like the spreadsheet said everything was good. And they're telling me like, things aren't good. You know, it, it always comes out in conversation mm -hmm. and it's, it's things like, how are you sleeping? How are you managing your stress? And what's going on? How's, how's things at work? How's things at home? And you, you start the conversation very, very basic. And, you know, just like, you know, you're you're sitting at, at the salon, you know, the, the greatest therapy ever, you know, client clients open up. It, it's the same thing when we work with our clients in in this exercise setting, in in this coaching setting that, you know, when when we're in movement together, when when we're in that coaching relationship, once you start the conversation, once you open the door people tend to be a little bit more open with, yeah, I have this going on or, you know, uh, this happened and, you know, no, not, not everybody's trained in some level of counseling, but we, you know, we can sympathize or if it is something that raises a red flag, hopefully we've built our referral network to say, Hey, why don't you give this person a call? That's an excellent point. I mean, we talk a fair amount about building like referral networks of clinicians and practitioners and, and other people that we can refer clients to, but having certainly at least a couple of people in your Rolodex on that mental, emotional side, whatever it may be, or if you don't have someone in that Rolodex, you should at least dig a few people up right now who you can call and ask who you should put in that Rolodex. Uh, because when something comes up, it, it, it can potentially be a little bit urgent. Uh, if not emergent, like something that needs to be dealt with basically right away. What is an ideal client for Heart and Soul Fitness and Wellness? Yes. For me, my ideal client is that person that feels stuck. They're done with the diets. They, they've tried the programs, the this, the that, and they know they're ready for change but they don't know what fits for them and they're ready to commit to something, but they don't know what it is. For me, I like to investigate and find what that individual fit is to help you build consistency, whether it's movement, whether it's in nutrition or the marrying of the two. How do you go about getting someone unstuck? Because I think, I think that feeling resonates. I think anyone who's done any kind of exercise nutrition for any period of time is going to hit one of those walls where like either things aren't working anymore or they've fallen off the train and they just haven't gone to the gym for nine days and they don't know when they're going to go again. How do you start digging in and getting, cause everyone's stuck in a different way. You know, we, we all have those barriers that we put in place, whether they're real or perceived, 
it's time, it's money, my kids. And it's really starting to look at those barriers or sometimes even excuses where we're saying, I can't, I won't, I don't. And really saying, is this true? Or if it actually is true, then what can we do to adapt around it, to move things around, and to start very small? It might be five minutes. It might be 10 minutes. It somewhere in building the habit that's going to get you to where you want to be. I am very anti-New Year's resolutions starting on Monday, starting at the beginning of the month. I'm all about what can you do right now? What, what decision can you make in this moment that you can repeat again and again and start to build upon from there? I 100% agree with you. One of, our, one of our battle cries at Feel Strong is slow progress is progress. Any, Absolutely. Any forward movement is still forward movement. And there's only so many ways forward and that's the right direction. And sometimes we move fast and sometimes we simply don't move fast. Figuring out like the right thing for someone to commit to, right? They know they want to do something. They've made a decision. And it sounds like, not to put words in your mouth, certainly I know this is true for, for us. Like we're not anyone's first stop. Like if you end up at Feel Strong, you've, you've looked online, you've tried some free stuff, you followed YouTube, maybe you joined a gym group program. Like you've done some things, you have some hours under your belt and it, it, it wasn't quite right or it didn't quite work out and you end up talking to me. So does that, does that sound about right? Are we similar there? Yeah. And the other thing is you have to be willing to experiment. I always tell people that you are not going to hurt my feelings when you tell me something isn't right. That it has to be this two-way communication. That what I tell you, what I think, what I feel is probably the place to start or where we continue may or may not be the 100% exact way to go. So I need your feedback in what feels good, because if it doesn't feel good, you're not going to continue doing it. You're not going to build that consistency towards your goals. So if it's not feeling right, if something it isn't jiving and you're not communicating that to me, then we're not going to make progress. So hurt my feelings and tell me it doesn't feel right so we can come back to the drawing board and figure out where to go from here. Uh, I'm smiling because I, I, one of my like regular lines is it's literally impossible to hurt my feelings talking about a program I've written for you. And we have, we actually have in our, written in our contract now, we have a couple of agreements that we make. And we talk about this on initial consult too. The first agreement is I will do everything I can to write you the most perfect program, but I can't do the work for you. You're going to agree to implement this to the best of your effort. You're going to try and do this. And the second agreement is you will come to me with anything, no matter how small, any pain point, anything that doesn't work, you, you promise to come and express it to me because then we can move forward. Cause there's no, I don't know if you've ever done this. I have written like an amazing 12 week program and someone goes through it and they're like, yeah, starting in the second week, this thing didn't really feel good. And now it feels really bad. And now I think I did something wrong. Like, why did we just spend 10 weeks on this? That's the worst. More feedback is always, always better. Absolutely.
So moving forward with someone, I'm interested in your process. So someone finds you, you decide you're a pretty good fit, you can help them. To generalize, like what are what are the steps moving forward with you as a coach? Well, I have a couple jumping in points with people, and a lot of that comes back to that accessibility. You know, I'm I'm about that adaptability, but also accessibility because sometimes people look at that price tag and they're like, oh nope fitness not for me and so you know there there's that place where people can just get the content it's recorded videos it's access to different articles and things like that then there's just coaching sessions where we're talking through things and you get access to the recordings and um, uh, e-learning and things like that. And then there's that top tier where you're getting the personal training, you're getting walked through the workouts in, in addition to all the other goodies. And so there's a lot of different entry points in how somebody can come in based on their needs, based on financial constraints, I also work with HSAs and FSAs so that people can use their their own benefits. A lot of people don't realize you can be making those employer benefits work for you in in a lot of different ways. Oh, that's really interesting. How do you work with with NHSA? Is that because of your nutrition certification? How does that work? Yes. Got it. Yes. Okay. Do you throw in the fitness for free or does it have to be a little more cut and dry than that? It's how my programming is set up. I'm able to to um, lump some different things together. That is interesting. I'm in a, a, a what will be a very long conversation with some other colleagues about the pros and cons of accepting insurance as like fitness people getting people out of pain, things like that. And it's pro it's probably going to be at least a two year conversation. Like we are settling in for this. Um, but it's always interesting to hear that that's happening. You mentioned that that middle ground of coaching sessions. So you have a place mm -hmm. where you're free stuff, not unlike this, right? You're jumping on a podcast. We're going to put it out, not charge for it in the world. That's partly why we do the podcast. We're just creating all this stuff and putting smart people out there so people can come and listen and absorb, take it all for free. So you have places where people can get all of your things, things you've you've written, your, your YouTube. I love the Coffee Connect idea. That's really cool. Um, what does the coaching session look like? You said that's talking, but it's not, that's not quite the personal training, but it's not the free stuff. It's a middle ground. And I don't really care about price point, but I'm interested in like what is involved in that. So that is where someone has established their goal. They know what they're working on. And it's that conversation where we're coming together for 30 minutes and talking things through. It's what are, what are you struggling with? Where can I be that support for you? Is it, do you need resources? Is there, is, is it something maybe you have tried a new workout and you maybe need just a demonstration on one or two things that don't feel right, or there you've tried something and you need an adaptation and, and haven't found a way to do that. There's a lot of different ways that you can use that 30 minutes. Basically, it's it's free for all in that 30 minutes in what's going to support you and what you're working on. So it's like a, a wide ranging, but a check in, a tune up, a yeah, I just exactly. need to, to talk about this for a minute. 
How often do, does someone usually do something like that with you? So with that particular program, they get a weekly 30-minute session. Wow, that's great. And is all your personal training in person? Is it primarily over Zoom? Is it a mix? Both. I do. I have in-person services as well as virtual services. Absolutely lovely. And how does your nutrition programming, uh, how do you approach, how do you deliver nutrition programming is what I'm trying to spit out. So it is completely individual based. I come from a very weight neutral perspective. I err on the side of intuitive and mindful eating. A lot of people that do nutrition coaching with me have a lot of concerns around type 2 diabetes, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, you know, different different health outcomes. They, they've had blood work at the doctor and they, they want to use food as a way of mitigating some of these concerns instead of going the medication route. And... There's ways to do that without here is your diet and calories plan, but really going from that mindful place of how is food making me feel and using empowered choice with food in choosing foods that are more nutrient dense and really beneficial to what they're trying to achieve. I love that. I've had a number of conversations, especially with coaches running into people who, and I've had this conversation with clients too, where, where calories themselves can be a, a relatively triggering place to, to live. And even asking someone to track their food inevitably that app or that thing also tracks calories and just seeing that can send someone off into this like death loop spiral where they start chasing 1200 calories or something like that uh, and i'm 100 percent on the mindful eating train how do you how do you take someone who has spent so much time the scale and the calories are everything breaking those beliefs which are are potentially limiting them and if you're someone who tracks macros and gets on the scale every day no hate to you you i'm i'm Assuming you have it relatively under control and it's fine and it's not mentally hurting you, if it is, throw the scale away. But how do you work with someone who is who tied into those hard numbers, taking them to that, that sort of place of empowered choice? It's a process. You know, for and, and a lot of times I ask them to be very courageous in putting the scale away. And if you absolutely have to weigh, do it once a month. If you have to have that number, just do it once a month. But, you know, we, I, if I do have somebody log their food, I ask them not to use the apps because, you know, yes, the apps give us all of the calories and all the things, but just pull out a notebook and just write down what was it that you ate so that we start to see the days, the times, and the trends. Because then we start to see what people are eating, when they're eating it, and so we see the effect that it's having on the body. We get that really 30,000 foot view that's what we need to start making behavior changes around food. 
which is so important when we're looking at things like restoring hunger cues, understanding satiation and fullness, and getting back to that very mindful place with food. A hundred percent. People people do not understand satiety, and they do not give digestion its rightful place of importance. What you just described sounds amazing. It requires a huge you earning a huge amount of trust, and it sounds like you're someone who's awfully good at that. Like everything you're describing comes with certainly a bunch of credibility, but also earning these people's trusts in a very real and significant way. How does it seems like that's a huge part of your coaching. How do you how do you weave that into the things you do? I won't ask somebody to do something that I haven't done myself. And as somebody that has recovered from two eating disorders and has gone through extensive work in my own journey with intuitive and mindful eating, I wouldn't ask somebody to do something that I haven't put the work into. And I, I'm very transparent with my clients that it, it, it is a courageous thing to step out of what we see in mainstream diet culture to really take ownership of your food journey of how you really navigate that that physical self in in that that whole person wellness journey how do you generally find clients do you, is it mostly referrals are people finding you online yeah so i i do a lot of speaking i get referrals and social media those are those are my big 3 what kind of speaking do you do? Um, I, I do retreats and civic clubs, different groups. I, I try to get into really where, wherever I can with my, my ideal people and just share, share the message and hope it, hope it sticks. Just hustling and getting it out there. Yep. I love that. Uh, how, how do, how does one end up speaking at, at, for example, a retreat? Um, a lot of it is through some of the communities that I network with. I'm part of a lot of women in business communities. I'm a member of my chamber of commerce. Uh, I'm a member of my local Kiwanis club, different places like that. Just absolutely everywhere. You are fully connected. Absolutely. Do you ever have in those events, because that sounds, first of all, it sounds tremendous. And being that plugged into the larger community and those smaller segments of the community seems like it would give you a lot of insight and start to see patterns in what's going on as you start seeing sort of not the same person, but the same type of person showing up again and again. Do people ever, do you ever get someone who's a surprise, someone who gets in touch with you or reaches out or comes up after an event that was not the person you expected to be talking to you and reaching out for help? They're not instantly, but you know, there's, there's been times that I've had that, that little delay and I'll have somebody pop up on my schedule that I was at an event a week ago, two weeks ago, and 
their their name pops up and I'm I kind of look at it and I'm like I I never would have thought that that individual would have would have fit fit the profile or had had this concern or, or that concern and those people tend to be lurkers they don't come up right after it but they they sneakily email you later on absolutely talking about especially uh larger bodied people i think i think there's a lot of education that can be done for coaches i think even the most well-meaning coaches often unintentionally do some damage or don't do the kind of work they're hoping to do because they aren't really thoughtful about what it takes to move through the world or accomplish certain things right i saw someone once ask someone to do a, to do a box jump and i was quite sure that that was an impossibility like they were asking something they hadn't just thought about it like oh well we do we do box jumps on session two so i'm going to ask this person to box jump do you have any like considerations or things you think about with like anyone who's like the non-standard athlete whatever kind of adaptations they need in working with them uh specifically in movement well i always do a fitness assessment whether it is in person or virtually uh, it's it's always a little bit harder virtually, but in in the fitness assessment, I'm able to get a good idea of not only that cardiovascular stamina, but their their flexibility and their their movement ability, so that I'm able to design that program not only in a challenging way, but knowing that they're going to be able to do the movements successfully that I'm I, that I'm asking them to do. And sometimes it it might be a modified movement. You know, I I'm anti-burpee, but there's there's movements that I do that are pretty similar because there are benefits to the burpee. <laughs> but there's a lot of things that you can do instead. A hundred percent. And I think there's an important distinction to be drawn that, that you just said, just to, just to highlight it. There's a gulf between a very challenging movement and something that someone is simply going to fail at something that either that it, that maybe it's a, a load they can't move, whether that's an external load or their own body weight through some range of motion or something like that, something that's hard that you can progress and they'll adapt to and their muscles and tendons will get stronger or they'll get faster, more stable, whatever it is we're doing versus something that is at least for now, simply impossible and setting mm -hmm. things up for setting people up for failure intentionally or not can be a real blow especially in the early stages of trying to build that trust and credibility uh, that you seem so good at doing what does your fitness assessment look like so my fitness assessment includes a the the rockford walking test and so just getting an idea of what that resting heart rate is and what what we get up to in that that elevation and so virtually uh we it you know that that gets a little bit interesting you know having somebody doing that in a small space but we we roll with it and so it's virtually then, but it's 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 in person virtually so you're you're watching them do laps yeah. in the living room Great. <laughs> pretty it. much and you know then then you know, in in person it's it's you know i'm i'm physically working with them in seeing what their resistance is in all different types of movements 
and just understanding how their body moves, what types of limitations they have, are they able to bend, twist, reach, things like that. Just understanding, you know, what, what is the range of motion that the body has? Then it's starting to look at the load. What externally can they lift? Can, can they handle? Um, I don't do a whole lot with weights, both in person and virtually. I do a lot of body weight resistance strength training. So it's starting to look at things like push-ups. How high on the wall are we going versus coming down and adding that load onto the chest? Things like that. Do you mostly do body weight because that's are you avoiding weights or do you, do you just not prefer to work with them or is that simply not appropriate for most of your clients? Um, I, I use it with some of my clients. Uh, sometimes it's preference because not everybody enjoys using weights. I personally don't like using weights. I, I'm all about my strength training. If I could do it 100% solely on the TRX, I'd be, that I'd be sold. But, you know, sometimes it's preference, sometimes it's what people have available, and sometimes it is ability. Um, you know, I work with a lot of people that have chronic conditions that things like arthritis, they can't hold weights. So it there's a lot of different factors that go into that decision. Uh, I think that makes perfect sense going forward. And just for any coaches who like jumped out of their seat when they heard someone say they don't like weights, there's lots of people out there who don't like weights. Like, and whatever your favorite fitness thing is, there's someone out there who hates it. So I also suggest, and it sounds like you're, you're part of this, like figuring out their preferences. We mm -hmm. always ask people, are there things you really like and hope is in this program? Are there things yeah. you really dislike and you really hope don't show up? And 99% of the time we can roll with those preferences. You know, if someone yeah, hates and that, that's on my intake paperwork. Is there something you never want to see? Exactly. And unless there's something really specific, like if you tell me you want to run your first marathon, but you hate running, we're going to have like a long conversation because this is going to get tough. But yeah, if like the only thing is like, well, I don't want to do burpees. O okay. A anything else? No, just that. Okay. I'm going to make you get on the ground and get up. Like we're going to find some ways to make that happen, but it won't really look like a burpee. And that's totally okay. Uh, what happens in any program, any program that any coach writes for enough people, at some point, something's going to go wrong. Either it's it's really not working or someone gets something happens. There's an injury. There's an issue. There's something happens and it stops working. What do you do when that happens? We just we pivot mm -hmm. <laughs> the, the, the word of the word of the pandemic pivot. Yeah. Um, some. There, there's always something that's going to go wrong. And I think with, because I work with the, the general audience that I work with, I'm used to a lot of change on the fly. Um, and I think what, what comes to mind is people that I work with, with things like fibromyalgia and MS. That are like day to day. They, they yeah. can show up one day and be totally on and they can show up one day and they're like, I'm not doing anything. 
And so some days it's literally sitting on the therapy table and having a conversation while stretching. And so it's you, because we're gonna do more harm than good continuing down the path of something that isn't working. So it's, it's just being open and being adaptable and having your plan B, C, and D ready to go at all times. A hundred percent. And that is one of the, if, if people didn't hear it, like that's one of the huge advantages to doing one-on-one -on -one in person, personal training. It's not just, it is useful for the person who wants to bench press 400 pounds and have someone there, but to have a knowledgeable coach that you show up with and whatever's going on, they are going to be able to pivot and make that time useful and productive for you. Is there anything in the, in the fitness wellness world that generally ticks you off a little bit? Everyone, almost everyone, I certainly do has like their hangups or the thing they hate or the thing they see that they're like, I wish people would stop saying that you're really doing a lot of damage or you're lying or I just don't think this is the right way forward. Do you have anything like that? You know, my, my biggest pet peeve is unearned titles. Ooh, I like um, it. When, when we have those that maybe use the designation of let's say health coach, but have not actually gone through a certification program. They maybe are, have gone through a direct marketing company, but don't have, have the background. Um, you know, a lot of us have put a lot of time and a lot of studying and have the expertise behind the work that we do. And it's very frustrating when we have different people out there marketing themselves in a way that is not authentic. 100%. I always, I tell everyone when they say, well, I found, I found an ex, I found a health coach. I found a personal trainer. I found a physical therapist. I found a chiropractor. I found an orthopedist. I found like, yeah, your mileage may vary. Like, that's great. They have, they have the absolute bare minimum to do something. Who knows? And I have, I have all of those people. I have, I have people I trust implicitly in all of those categories. And it's, it's possible that there's people that I would never send people to in all of those categories for exactly the same reasons. If you had unlimited time and unlimited resources, good news, Stephanie, I found all the time and all the money. What would you do? Unlimited time and unlimited resources. I would, um, I would become a registered dietitian. Good one. That's not that's not unlimited time and unlimited resources. I mean, it's it's some significant time and resources. Yes. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you're interested in actively moving towards? Um, at this point, it's it's still a pipe dream. There, there's a lot that I I would still like to have very established before I would consider pursuing that. Interesting. Like around your coaching, your business, your life, things like that? Around around my business and just getting a lot more free time before I'd start to put a, put something else on my plate. That's fair. It's a, it's a big time commitment. Though it sounds like with your, your goal setting expertise, this is exactly something you could sort of take a third person and start reverse engineering for someone else. Like, 
Well, someone asked me how to do this. Oh, yeah, it's probably possible. Uh, Stephanie, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on the Feel Strong podcast. Please plug everything. If people want to get in touch, find out more about you, tell them all the places, where should they go? I am on just about every social media network. I am on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. Um, best way is just to search Heart and Soul Fitness. Uh, Soul is S-O-L-E. There are slightly different handles on all the different networks. Um, my website is Heart and Soul Fit, S-O-L-E dot uh, com. And if you go to my website, there's a place there that you can schedule a discovery call with me. Let's have a conversation and see what's going on. And I will put all of that stuff in the show notes, too. So if people are listening to this, you can click over there and click to the website and click to all of the links. Uh, and I'm here to tell you that Stephanie is a lovely person to have a conversation with. Well, thank you so much. Of course. Thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate your subscriptions. Your written reviews make a big difference. Thank you for those. Please keep them coming. Drop five stars while you're there. If you find these podcasts helpful, share them with friends. Send it on. We love it when the stuff gets shared outside of our bubble, outside of you folks. Any feedback, hit us up on Instagram at feelstrongfit on Instagram. DMs are open there for all of your questions and feedback. Or questions about the program or you're ready to get started, feelstrong.me is the website. Feelstrong.me. If you're ready to make a change, if you're ready to feel better than you have in a long time, get in touch. My name is Justin McClintock. Feel strong. Feel strong.